Then you can take your seat. Thank you so much, volunteers, all the volunteers of this day. We honor you. And then all the visitors, like I said, welcome in the house. We're whoop, whoop. Right. Geen springbok trui vandag nie. Wat's fout met julle? Sien, ek moet so like. Julle hoef nie. Wat's fout? Come on. They played well, no? Come on. It was a good good game. I think it's the best one in the whole series as a good token style. I think it was good. Um, I said to the to the first service people that a lot of people go like, Oh, he praat rugby in kerk. Yes, dude. Ons praat rugby in kerk. And all hierdie eins wat hooghuilig is, wat ek nie rugby gekyk nie. Whatever. Okay. Alright, jy kan rugby kyk, it's fine. It's wat jy als vloek in die rugby game wat saak maak. Want dis jou hart. Alright, maar it was a good game. And I'm happy about the game. And I'm really happy we won. Because what I told the guys is, you've got to get this. Every time they sport and every time anyone, anywhere proclaims the name of Jesus, God is there. So I tell you in the spirit, something happened through the winning of this World Cup as well. But God uses a lot of things and a lot of ways to proclaim his name and build his kingdom. So, ons het in die eerste dienst hier eer gegeef vir that game, the win over it, and everyone who will say, Listen, I give God the glory. Can we just give God the glory for our lives and their lives as well? Um, I believe for good and great reason. So before we move on with our three-hour service today, um, can we please get Sonika, Sasha, come here there. Shanika, slaap sy, ek weet sy voel nie lekker nie. Piet mama, piet papa. Kom nader, kom nader. Allemaal wat die Heere lief het, staan maar nader. Yes, as jy oud is, ken jy die song. Ons om veel remix. Jy so Sonika, jy so Sasha, uit die saad van Sasha, het ons hierdie klein genieke gekry. Is sy nie net mooi nie? Come on, ja? Wie sy voete was so klein? Ach, jesie. Dis al mens broeis maak, niks net af. My vrou bid hard, no ways, ek skop vast as a donk jou maat. Oh, maar jy is mooi. Oh-oh. Dit is ons voorrecht om vandag vir klein Shanika in te sien. En ek wil dit net aan julle ook verduidelik. Ons doen nie die doop nie. Hulle sê, kom, kom doop jy nie kleinkies nie. Hier is ons ding. Ok, en julle peetouwers moet nou luister. Ok, Sasha so whoever, Sasha so whoever. You've got to get this. Julle is deel van hierdie kinds lewe. En vir ons gaan dit nie oor, kom ons doop een kleinkie, en een kleinkie is geseen, en een kleinkie gaan die Heere vind, en volg nie, yes, dit is ons gebede. Maar wat vir ons saak maak in hierdie dag, is dat jylle is peetouwers, en jylle is ouwers, besef, dat so klein as wat sy is, is speel jylle nou een rol in haar leven. Sy kan nie vir self besluit, soek sy McDonald's na kerk. Jy besluit het. Sy moet nie eers McDonald's eet nie, okay? Groentekies, mash die wortels met artepils, bykie soukie, okay? Jylle besef dit. Jylle besluit het, haar welstand is in jylle hande en jylle speel een rol. En dis hoe kom ons nie kleinkies doop nie. Ons sien kinderkies in. Want ons glo, want het kom by die insien, is het meer die verantwoordelijkheid van die peetouwers en die ouwers oor hierdie kleinkie. Jy vat verantwoordelijkheid en jy, ek wil om sê, lee een belofte neer om hierdie kleinkie groot te maak en die wil en die weef nie, heren. 
So dis kom ons hulle nie doop nie, dis kom ons hulle inseen, en is gebaseer nie uit ons eie self nie, ons het nie enig opgemaakt nie, ons vaar het van die woord van die Heere, en ek wil dit vir jou lees, jy kan kyk op die skerm of jy achter my, sien, nou was dis een tyd gewees, waar die kinderkies na Jesus gekom het, en die disciples het gesê, dis nie een plek vir kinders nie, but Jesus spoke in the moment, Matthew 19, 13. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them, but the disciples rebuked him, them. Hulle sê nie, vir die kinders weg, Jesus is belangriker as die oomlik, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. So vir die Heere is dit oor kinderkies, vir die Heere is dit oor ons wat die verantwoordelikheid vat, vir die klein seen en blessing in ons levens, en jylle le die belofte vandag neer, as ouwers en peetouwers, want sê, ons gaan ons beste doen. So dis waar we het gaan. So ons gaan seen uitspreek en uitbid oor haar, maar vandag gaan oor jylle. En ek wil jylle moet, vandag as ek hierdie lees en jylle hierdie vraag vraag, moet jylle actually hoor wat ek sê, nie net in en uit nie. Want dit is een belofte nie net voor my nie, nie net voor mekaar nie, maar voor al hierdie mense en God. Die Heere weet. En as jy gaan veil in dit, die Heere weet. Is dit in jou nie, Heere, en, en hierdie klein ding. Al wat ek weet is, ek keer sal kleinkie in jou leven kom, it's a blessing. It's God spoken, it's God breathed. It is something we should protect and cherish. So let today be a day of joy and celebration, but also knowing that this is serious stuff. Alright, so ek wil julle graag, Sasha en Sonika, a vraag vraag. Beloof jylle vir amal hier as getuies om vir Shanika in die wil en die weef van die Heere groot te maak, om haar te onderrug in die woord van God en aan haar ten alle tye een godelike voorbeeld te wees as ouwers wat die Heere dien en haar nooit te weerhou van die huis van die Heere en die woord van die Heere. Wat is jylle antwoord? Beloof so, Peter, is jylle recht Ek nou nie al jylle name nie, maar do you... Dit voel ek gister het trouwe gedoen, so dit voel ek weer mense trouwe in hierdie oomlik. Beloof jylle voor amal hier as getuies om vir Sjenieke en die wil en die weef van die Heere groot te maak, om haar te onderrug in die woord van God en aan haar ten alle tye godlike voorbeeld te wees, as peetouwers wat die Heere dien en haar nooit te weerhou van die huis van die Heere of die woord van die Heere nie. Wat is jylle antwoord? Oh, sy denk ek sporing. Ek gaan nou vraag of amal hier wat jy sit, jylle tree op as getuies vandag, of jylle die selfde sal beloof as wat die ouwers en peetouwers beloof het. We know it takes a village. Ek het al gesien van jylle, dan sien ek daar is my kind weg, en dan een van jylle my kind, en ons maak ons saam groot. It takes a village. But you know what, it's the grace and love of God. And I want to ask you if you will support them in raising this little one, in the same manner that they just promised, are you agreeing on that? Yes, it's a definite yes. The scripts say, Mark 10 says this, what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Now a lot of people use this with a marriage, but I use it in this moment as well, because here's the thing, God gave you that little one. God gave you that little one. Jylle is in hierdie kleinkiese leven, hierdie kleinkies deel van jylle leven, vir een baie goeie, en ek wil ons sê, definite reason. You've got to realize that. May nothing and no one separate this bond in Jesus' name. Ek gaan vraag, voor ons oorgang gebed, het jylle net na die skerm kyk, jylle kan net omdraai, we're going to play you a short little something, and I hope it means a lot. My sweet 
So that is our prayer and more over Shanika's little life and then you being a part of that moment each and every day, each and every step. So what I'm going to ask is that you as the mom stand also, Sasha stand after your vrou, and then parents, was die peet ouders, kom staan nie by hulle, okay, of as your vrou, Sasha, just like, die berading ook. I'm going to ask that you stand with us. 
We're going to pray a prayer of blessing over this little one. And we're going to dedicate her unto God. We believe it's His to start with. And we just the heirs of that blessing in this very moment. So, Lord, as I touch this family, as I touch this little one, we pray a supernatural, godly blessing and a double portion over this little life. Lord, we dedicate her unto you, Father. She's yours to start with. Thank you, Father, that she can fill their lives as a blessing, Lord. I pray that you will make her path straight. I pray that she will be a joy in every moment, that wisdom will be their part as a family. So, Lord, I pray that you will guide them. Father, the prayer already prayed will be their part. Lord, and we honor you and glorify you in that very moment and this moment. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray it. And the house says... Amen. I want to say thank you so much for bringing her into this little house as we growing. There is a little something from our side. She is says no ungesien amtlik. Daar is jou certificate. Waar word jy so worry? Daar is sy. Thank you so much. And start them my vows where it is not easy being a parent, but you know what? It's a privilege in makkeliker met tyd. Hallo. Is jy okay? Can we give them a hand? Beautiful family. That's how it should be, man. That's how it should be. So are you ready for this message of today? I'm kind of excited. And um, it's been burning in my heart now for a week. And the funny thing is that what I felt in my spirit also aligns with the book of James. It slot in. It, it actually fits in really well. So I'm going to share it. I'm going to throw it out. So you've got to just look at someone and say, here we go. Come on. Is he right? Check a little seat belt on it. Say, God, we must first get up. We have to get back to our Are you good? Everyone lacquer. So what fell into my heart is a story I've read about a pastor and church. Now, you know a lot of pastors, I believe. You've seen a lot of churches. You might have been in a lot of churches that I believe. But this is a real interesting and unique story. You see, there's a guy like me someday in, the, uh, in history, and he preached it up in his church. He's preaching it up, and he's sweating it out, and he gets excited. And he's like, oh, and the Lord and the Word of God, you know how it can get in church at times. Hallelujah. You know, he's that guy. But in a second, one moment, something weird happens. His tie, say das, wraps around his arms. And him being so aggressive in his preaching, it wraps around his arms and it binds his arms. The bimpum. And right there in the moment, now I cannot tell you was it spirit-led or not spirit-led. I've got my opinions. But in that moment, he grabs the mic and he pulls his, his tie off and he throws it on the floor. And he's like, we will never wear ties again for the ties are sent from the enemy, the devil. And it is there to bound us to not spread the gospel of God. So he blames the tie. And he says that the tie which bound his arms in that moment of him moving is now sent by the devil so that you and I can never spread the word of God. So he says this in church. Pulls off his tie. He throws it on the ground and he it, you know, he stamples on his tie. In that moment, one of three people stand up. 
in their hearts and their minds, you find three people in that church right there. It's the people that go like, whatever. Whatever happened, just, you know, the guy sleeping in the seat every Sunday. That guy, he didn't even notice it. Like, whatever. Then there's the guy in the seat that goes like, what the heck just happened? How can a tie be seen by the enemy and now cause us not to spread the gospel? For the gospel is spread by our words, not by our hands. And how can this tie, you know, hold us back from spreading the word of God? So there's that guy. And then there's the guy that goes like, hallelujah, your ties are evil. There's that guy. I think it's the guy that, you know, he just prayed for seven years that God answers his prayers that they can take off their ties. But you see this preacher in the moment experienced the tie that wrapped around his arms through movement. And it happened to me once. It literally wraps around your arm or something because you're moving around. And I don't think that the tie is the issue. I don't think the tie is the enemy. I don't think the tie should be the excuse for not spreading the gospel. That's my opinion. But this guy caused such a division in his church that they split as a church. The one group went like, yes, ties are evil and we will never ever wear ties again for it is sent to bind us to not spread the word of God. And then the other group went like, that's silly. It's just a tie. Don't wear a tie. If you don't wear a tie, the enemy cannot enter your arms. That's fine. So they split. The t- church, his church, tore up in two groups. See, this guy's surname was Horner. And up until this day in Canada, you find this guy and his movement, his church, called the Hornerites. The Hornerites. They literally believe in the church. One of the rules, one of the dogma rules, one of the foundational rules is you don't come into our church with a tie. You see, they caused quarreling. They caused fights in the church on that very day when he said, now the enemy used this tie and the tie is the enemy and now we cannot spread the word of God and therefore we will never wear ties again. And that moment of my opinion of being unwise, of being maybe led through emotion. He caused division in a church. A group of believers praising Jesus Christ was torn apart and chaos erupted within that very church from that day on forward. To the point where they literally, the two groups, started hating each other. You see, the one little thing, the tie, grew to a moment where someone expressed something from their hearts. And through that expressing what was in their hearts, they caused division in the work and the kingdom of God. And it was all fights and quarreling from there on forward. Come on, church. Think about your church journey. Where did you sit? Where did you stand? Where did you get involved? Where did you not get involved because of fights and quarreling? Someone said something like, I don't like ties. And you went like, "Mm -hmm, I love ties. I don't like you anymore. And for that very reason, you never came back. You never went back. You never got involved. And it caused chaos. It caused division in the kingdom of God. Because here's the truth about you and me. We are called to do a specific thing. We are called to fulfill a specific role. You and I have skills and talents which we should live out in the kingdom of God. 
But one simple thing like a tie can literally cause division in the kingdom of God. You see, the tie is not the problem. Yes, the enemy might have seen the opportunity to use the tie in the life of that pastor. And what the pastor then spoke caused division. But you see, the problem is not the tie. It was the heart of the pastor. It was something within the pastor that caused and sowed a seed of division, quarreling and fighting. Come on. How many times in your church and Christian journey did you quarrel and fight because of stupid things? Be honest. I remember youth days. I got so angry at those youth kids. I'm like, you are not listening to me. And I forgot that God actually sent them there. That was not my focus. My focus was, how dare you not listen to what I've prepared? It's a place of selfishness. It's a place of arrogance. It's not a place of serving God humbly in his kingdom, saying, Lord, use me as a vessel and a youth leader. It's a place where I became so self-centered that I got angry because you're not listening to me as Yaku. Thank the Lord I grew. I'm matured, man. But you've got to go through that to understand. You've got to go through that to be taught by the Spirit of God. But the thing is, if I allowed that to grow in my heart, my heart would have grown to a place of division, quarreling and fighting to the point where it becomes sin. And the moment it becomes sin, your words follow, your deeds follow, your actions follow. Now you might go, oh, that's a nice story. Is that the intro? Is that the whole sermon? No. But I can, I can show you something in the Word of God that testifies of that very thing. Testifies of that very journey. You see, Genesis 4 has got a story in, and it's about not the stupid things, but it's about the serious stuff of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. You see, there's a guy called Cain, and there's a guy called Abel, two brothers, They are siblings from Adam and Eve. So there's the bloodline. There's a promise spoken over their lives. There's a calling over their lives. But there's a story in the moment of Cain and Abel's life where God had a look at their hearts. God tasted their hearts. God almost zoomed in to see what will come out of them in the time of pressure. See, the story goes like this in verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I've I've acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground, so he worked in the fields. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry. And his countenance, his face, his demeanor fell. You go from here. New Zealand, you know New Zealand supporters? That face. It's what happened. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. 
So God speaks into the heart, get this, not just the offering of Cain, but he speaks into the moment of Cain and his heart, what is within him. And he says, if, why are you angry? Why do you want to fight? Why do you want to quarrel? If you do not guard your heart, if you do not resist fighting, if you do not resist quarreling, guess what? Sin lies by the door. Sin is around the corner. So you and I, we oftentimes, we become this pastor that focuses so on the small stupid things like a tie, especially in church and in the kingdom of God, that we miss the important stuff like being obedient to God, like listening to the warning of God, like listening to his voice when he says, why are you angry? Be careful for sin is around the corner. We do not focus on God. We don't focus on these guidance. We do not go into a study period of the word of God. We do not join up to volunteer when we're angry. We rather just express what we feel. Come on. Have you ever seen kids play? Kanurkis. Here's the funny thing. I've seen small children fight about a big rock. There's a, there's a clip. They are fighting about this rock. And they're like, this mainer, no, it's mine. It's mainer. And eventually there's a tuck of war and the rock is in the middle. It's mine. Don't mind. Do you realize that the people who win that fight carries the rock? Come on. You and I oftentimes fight within us the leading of God and the selfishness of ourselves. And we want to win. But you know, all it is, is the heaviness of sin that you will win. You will carry around the weight of sin and the things of this world in your life to a point where you cannot breathe because you are smothered with the mountain of the enemy. You are like little children who fight about a rock. And the one who wins needs to carry that thing around for the whole day. At the time he goes home, he doesn't even want to take it to his groom. He's so tired because of the heaviness of winning that fight and keeping the rock. Come on, church. How often in your life and in your desires and in your wants and in your, your being, your heartbeat, do you fight for things that is just heaviness? Now, I'll, I'll be the queen of this group. Come on. The pressure of being perfect all the time is a rock you carry with. Don't go against what I say. You know it's true. The pressure of being perfect all the time is a rock you carry with. Winning the rock of that you're not good enough and you have no value is heaviness you carry with. When someone says it's your fault that I molested you, it's a rock that they place in your life and you carry the heaviness with. Don't win that fight. See, Jesus spoke, God spoke into the heart of Cain in that moment. And he said, listen, be careful which fight you are fighting. Why are you angry? Why do you want to quarrel? Because I tell you, the fight you will win is a fight of heaviness. And you will carry this burden like a rock in every day of your life. So what happens? Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother. 
And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel. He went into a fighting demeanor. His whole face, his whole body went into a place of, I'm going to now get you. Come on, church. Don't tell me you've never done this with your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your children. Don't tell me you've never done this at your workplace. A moment where you're so angry, you start, literally, you start standing in the fighting demeanor. You're like, oh, we're going to apples, why? Jesus, I can draw, keep a claim. But you're in the stance. You're ready. Apples are going to swai. See, Cain is there. He's in the field. He's facing his brother. And he rose up against Abel, his brother, and then he killed him. He literally killed his brother. Why? Because his heart's condition was not just filled with a moment of anger. The anger grew to a place of resentment, and the resentment grew to a place where his physical body started following what he felt in his life. And God just spoke and said, Cain, if you are not careful, you will sin. And he literally killed his own brother because he did not adhere to the things that was important. You and I, we oftentimes focus on the ties in church. Oh, your shoes. Oh, your haircut. It's not what's supposed to be important when you meet in the presence of God. What is important is that you actually hear His voice, His warnings, and then you avoid sin. And it happens like this. One second. One second and you're over the line. One second and you lost your temper. One second and the knife is in someone's belly. One second and you blank out and you wake up in a cell somewhere in the police force. One second and you're dead. Why? You see what very hard to fall is. Very hard to fall is belangrijk. Because there's moments where we quarrel about stupid things, about being the best. My house is the best. The brides are always by my house when that will offshow. My car's the best. But you owe the bank 10,000 rand a month just to keep it up. It's a heaviness you carry with. You cannot disagree with this. Maybe some of you are still there. Stay there. The best times of your life as a student in a kamer kie, jy het op die vloer geslaap met so'n klein otiewiekie. Happy days. No worries. Kar wat uit mekaar val, 50 rand, moet jou die hele maand hou. Maar jy het chippies gekoop by die, by die SS. Jy het geelkies gehad vir die kook. Come on man, jylle smal, want jylle weet. What you did not experience in that moment was the heaviness of the fight you're fighting. You didn't want to win. You just lived, and you lived happily. That's free. See, that is the type of love and peace I'm trying to send your way in this day through this message. You see, there's a place of peace in the presence of God, but you've got to hear His voice. You've got to adhere to the warning, and you've got to react. If Cain listened, Abel would have lived. But what Cain did not do was this. My brother, well done. I look up to you even though you're younger. I'm just out of my heart 
I'm so happy God is blessing you. I'm so happy you have what you have. I'm so happy for your growth in Christ. I'm so happy for the worldly provision that I can see. I'm so happy for you. Cain did not do that. It was all about him in that moment. And someone lost their lives, yet gained everything. Because until this day, God was accepting not just the offering of Abel, but Abel himself. Let me tell you this, people. What's more important than the house you're trying to use to show off, or maybe you being just awesome in yourself, cake no mate, cake no mate. What's more valuable than that is when God says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. It's what God did with Abel. Say, Well done. I accept you. Therefore, I accept your offering. Yet Cain, moments later, God says, now you will be cursed and all eternity will know. Then he says, please do not curse me for my punishment knowing what I've done. See, na jy kwaad geraak het, loop jy gewoonlik mos nou weg. Van jylle grijpe glas jy bottle wijn, kom aan. Van jylle gaan slang golfballe. Van jylle gaan gym toe vir vijf ure, jimmel alleen weet wat jy doen vir vijf ure in a gym. But you get back to your normal self. And then you go like, yes, I must not have said it. You know the PlayStation I threw? I actually like that PlayStation. Now it's gone. How stupid am I? The car that I jumped I would have. And you've got to pay to fix it. Since Spike came out at the lot. And Cain had that moment where he went like, the punishment within myself is enough. Yet God said, now you are cursed. It's a double whammy. Why? Because he did not adhere to the things that's important. God's voice, God's guidance, God saying, please don't do this, don't be this. But anger and quarreling led his whole life. And he carried the weight of that moment of sin, of losing himself for the rest of his life. See, when you read James 4, it, it locks in tightly with this very story of Cain and Abel. James 4 verse 1 says, What causes fights and quarrels amongst you? So here's James, the guy that calls a spade a spade, tacky tear out. He asks from the beginning of the first version, come on, eat first a bit of milk and milk. He's like, what causes the fights and quarrels in your life? What's fault with you? He's that guy. Then he answers himself, and I believe he spoke into the lives of the people around as well by saying this, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? He speaks into the heart like God spoke into the heart of Cain. He spoke into the life of the believers, the church, right there. And he says, hey, I'm pointing fingers, so take offense if you want. But the problem is maybe within your heart. Maybe the problem is not everyone else. Maybe it's not life. Maybe it's not the tie. It's not the devil through the tie. It's you. And then he says this, and it ties in perfectly with Cain and Abel. Verse 2. You desire, but you do not have. See, Cain desired that his offering will be accepted like his brothers. You do not have, so you kill. James writes this. You desire, but do not have, so you kill. 
How many times have you walked over people in your life? How many times did you speak words that is like a TLB So you kill to get your way. You say good what seer mark, net on seer to mark, and you wear it can only be a problem of loss. You kill. You kill the love, you are busy killing the trust, you are busy killing the relationship, you are busy destroying that house, and then the next thing that happens is you do not sit by the table anymore. The next thing that happens is you are not in the same room anymore. The next thing that happens is you live in different rooms in the house. The next thing that happens is everyone gets their own houses. You get a house, you get a house. Come on, it's true. But like God spoke into Cain's life, God said, be warned now and do something about it now. So James is saying, what's causing the fights and quarrels? It's in your heart. Sort, sort it out now. Because if you do not sort it out now, it will lead to sin. It will lead to death of many things. Come on, church. This is so James. See, you and I, there's only one thing we can do. Stop using excuses. Because here's one excuse, and I'm ending with this. One excuse is this. Stop judging me. Chalky, don't judge me. Jy is a pastoor, don't judge me. Jy is a pastoorskind, don't judge me. The truth about that sentence is you realize in your heart that whatever's been said is accurate. There's something that is itching away, scratching away within your heart, and that's why you feel offended. So the first response for people in this day and time is don't judge me. But here's the truth regarding judgment. There's a difference between being judged by someone and someone who's in love and in loving relationship with God convicting you. You see, the Spirit of God convicts a heart, not judges a heart. When conviction happens within your heart, you know that you are wrong. And it eats away. You will do the same thing over and over. And the more you do it, the more you go like, yes, okay, When you climb in bed, it runs through your mind. When you drive in your car, it's in your mind. When you say something and you go like, It's conviction. It's not judgment. See, conviction is led through the Spirit of God, and conviction happens for one reason, so that you and I can change for the better. It's not being doomed until the pits of hell when you feel that you uh, acted wrongly or you're in the wrong place or the wrong time. It's not being doomed and Satan is now your best friend. It's not being judged. It's not Armageddon. Conviction. Is that one little bit and peace that falls into your life, your heart, your mind, and you realize, I can be better than this. That's conviction. But it's loving. It's not lack, but it's loving. You know, when your children do not listen, you kick them against the head with love, so they listen. It's that. Out of love, you punish. It's not lack, but you do it because you want them to grow. See, the Spirit convicts. Stop your nonsense. The Spirit leads. Stop quarreling. Stop fighting. The Spirit says you can be better. People speak through God. God comes into lives of people and people say stuff like, you've got calling, you've got potential. Slot into the kingdom, man. Come into church. Become involved. 
Conviction goes like, do it. Get involved. You are called for more. You are better than this. See, conviction should turn your heart and your identity and who you are to a better place. It's not for doom. So stop saying, when the Spirit of God leads, stop saying, don't judge me. No. Rather face the inward issue. Cain had the opportunity, failed. James is speaking to a church and he's giving that chance to you and me and he says, don't fail this test because it can lead to death. You will start killing if you allow this. Feel the conviction and love. Turn from your ways. Repent in the presence of Jesus and say, Lord, in and through you, better days, better me, better moments. And then guess what? Then your actions and your words should follow. You cannot go, Jesus, please. And the moment you leave, you take the prayer, Mary, baby, and you go to what? Someone will hit you because it's a baby in a pram. But you will achieve nothing. Nothing. You look like a fool. So today I leave with you. Do not fight. Do not quarrel. Do not focus on stupid small things like ties. But focus on the things that matter. Relationship. Hearing the voice of God. Accepting Christ as your Savior. Moving into a place where the warnings are loud and clear and you step away from sin around the corner. Being a better you. Adding to the kingdom. I'm going to ask, let's close our eyes as we play a song. I want to give you the opportunity while, I, while you just sit there with alcohol to just lift up your hand and just drop it again. If you want to say, Jesus, I want to accept you as my Savior for once. Then just lift your hand, just drop it. And maybe you want to say, Lord, I want to recommit in this day. I want to recommit and say, Lord, I need you. I need you to come and sort out everything in my heart. Then just lift your hand and drop it. Come on. This is your space. This is your moment. We respect it. So Father, every hand that's up, every heart that is directed, Every thought that goes, Lord, I need you for, I fail often. Lord, I pray that you send your spirit to guide that heart. And that fight in that moment in time. When we, when we want to release, Lord, I pray that you hold us back. Father, place a guard by our mouths. Guard our actions. But guard our heart. Father, I speak life. I speak peace. I speak your movement in each and every life. Lord, nothing less. Thank you for this moment where we can accept you and know you. Thank you, Jesus, that you forgive us our sins and you set free in love that the weight of sin falls away. So, Lord, let us live this day differently. Let us wake up tomorrow light in your presence and just know that it changed. Lord, this is our desire. This is our prayer. In and through you, Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. And I meant.